time camping, weeks of a word of life, and, uh, but it's good to see you all again and be back with the, the, the family of God here at Fishkill Baptist Church. I uh, want to just encourage you to keep praying. It's on the prayer sheet this week, but for the, the new sports ministry, Thrive Youth Sports, uh, starts up on uh, September 10th, so, or you could say it kicks off on September 10th because we're starting up with soccer in the fall. Registration is open now, and we've already got 34 kids signed up. So that's something to really praise God for. Pray that uh, we'll be able to engage those families and be able to share the truths of God's word with them and encourage them in that way. Uh, that kids will come to know the Lord through that ministry and families as well. So uh, one of the big needs we have right now is uh, we have a wonderful field, uh, but there, you might have noticed this is one problem. There's no soccer goals out there. So we need some soccer goals. So pray that God would provide the funds and the means for us to acquire some soccer goals really quickly because it's coming soon. Uh, one thing I want to point out to you uh, that's in your bulletin is an opportunity coming up this Saturday from, not, uh, was it 9 to 3, I believe. It's in your bulletin. Uh, it's going to be a uh, time with a ministry called Engage 360. Matt Schmidt and his family. Matt Schmidt is the founder and CEO of Engage 360 Ministries. And what his ministry is that uh, he travels around uh, mostly the Northeast. He's from uh, the South, but travels around the Northeast equipping and training churches uh, for evangelism and how to share your faith. And so Matt's going to be passing through and has Saturday available. So we're going to spend time with them on Saturday. Saturday. And this is really strategic and timely because coming right up uh, on your calendar, I think in the looking ahead, it has Community Day on there. Uh, September 17th, Saturday, September 17th will be our annual Community Day with the town uh, down at the East Fishkill Rec. We always have a booth there set up and we engage the community. Uh, One of the things we've found to be most effective in aiding and having great conversations is we have a whiteboard set up with a question and we just invite the community to answer the question. And that question leads to really great conversations, uh, spiritual conversations, conversations that we can uh, bring up the gospel through. And so if, if you'd like to receive training for that and how to have more natural spiritual conversations, uh, mark your calendar, be there uh, Saturday, this Saturday, 9 to 3. I think we'll have a pizza lunch. There's also a sign-up. There's a QR code. If you know how to do that with your phone, you can scan that. It'll take you right for the sign up. If you can sign up, it'll be great. We'll send an email out this week as well. Uh, but that'll help us to know how much food to order and that type of thing. And this kind of training only helps us advance the mission of our church uh, that much more to be able to make and grow fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Right? We want to make disciples. And this is how we do it, by sharing the gospel. So, all right, let's get to the word, shall we? We've had a little bit of a break from Micah. Uh, you've been in good hands the last two weeks with David Forsyth and, and Gershwin Grant. I appreciate those brothers filling in for me. Uh, but now let's get back to Micah. It's, uh, it, it's no secret, really, that we live in a world where suffering is a reality. It's universal to the human experience, even. Some would say, how can there be a good and loving God if there's so much suffering in the world? This is a serious question that cannot be ignored. However, this is not just a problem for Christians. It's a problem for every religion. It's a problem for every worldview. 
It's a problem for humanism. It's a problem for atheism. It's a problem for mysticism and agnosticism. It's a problem for Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam. It's a problem that every worldview and religion has to have a good answer for. Some try to deny that pain exists at all. Others cling to untethered optimism. Some have a karma view where suffering happens purely because of something bad they did. Well, in our passage today, the prophet Micah helps the people of his day to have a proper understanding of suffering. And it's no different today. So let's take a look. Go ahead, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Acts, not Acts, sorry, Micah, Micah 4. We're going to pick up in verses 6 and read through uh, verse 13. So if you need a Bible, make use of our Pew Bibles. You'll find today's text starting at the bottom of page 925, and you'll have to turn the page over not too long after. And once you're there, please stand with me, if you're able, out of respect and reverence for the Word of God, and follow along with me as I read. Micah 4, 6 to 13. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. In the lame I will make the remnant and those who were cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. The former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labor? Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon There you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Now many nations are assembled against you, saying, Let her be defiled and let our eyes gaze upon Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan, that he has gathered them as sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron, and I will make your hooves bronze, and you shall beat in pieces many peoples, and shall devote their grain to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. How sweet are your words to our taste, Lord, sweeter than honey to our mouths. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word to us in Micah chapter 4 this morning. God, may your word truly be sharper than any two-edged sword this morning, dividing uh, between joints and marrow, soul and spirit. Father, open our hearts. May your word speak to us, and may we be obedient. Father, show us where we need to become more like Jesus. May repentance be not far from our hearts. Make us more like Jesus this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. 
So if at some point it's inevitable that you're going to experience suffering, it's important to know how to suffer well. How to suffer well. I've got three points from Micah 4 this morning that will help you to suffer well. The first one is uh, to know that we're saved from suffering. The second one is that we're saved through suffering. And the third one is perspective. It gives us perspective in our suffering. So let's start off. Saved from suffering. The first thing to know about suffering is that if you are one of God's people, there will come a day when you will be saved completely from suffering. It will be no more. Your suffering is temporary. And this is not wishful thinking or ungrounded optimism. It's God's word. And God's word is true. And we need to believe it. One day we will be completely rescued and, and saved from our suffering. And this is Micah's point in the, in the first five verses of chapter 4 that we've looked at already where he gave the people such a wonderful picture of the hope to come in the later days. True world peace where war is no more and, and the nations of the world come to the Lord to learn to walk in his ways. Well, verses 6 to 8 tell us how God is going to do all of this. I just said it, but really, let that, think, let, let that concept sink in. The fundamental truth is that God is going to bring a complete end to your suffering. It's God who does it. It won't come about, this means, through some revolutionary uprising of our own making. It won't be through your own might. It won't be through your own clever ideas. It's God who will do it. God is the one who will rescue you and redeem you and restore you. Verse 6 says, God, God says, I, I will, I will assemble the lame and gather those driven away. And then verse 7 adds, I will make the castoffs a strong nation. It's the Lord who will do all of this and the Lord himself who will reign, who will reign over them forever. It's he who does all of that. Secondly, notice who it is that the Lord assembles and makes into this strong nation. It's the lame. It's the cast-offs. It's the people of God who are the weak and the marginalized who in the eyes of the world are nobodies, are nobodies. Do you feel that a little bit in our culture today? How despised we're becoming and looked down upon because we won't uh, toe the line and, and get on board with where our culture is going? We're nobodies. We're backwards. We're foolish in the eyes of the world. But this is who he assembles, and this is who he makes into a strong nation. The castoffs, the lame, the nobodies. And this is good news for the lame in Christ. You believers who, who suffer physically. Maybe you struggle with some form of handicap, a disease, or a, a chronic illness. God will give strength to the legs of the lame. And make nobodies into somebody into a strong nation even. 
And this comes ultimately for the believer at the triumphal return of Christ, at the resurrection, where, where followers of Christ will receive glorious new bodies and the Lord will make you new and strong. Paul gives us great insight into why this is in, in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 29. He says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. This means that God assembles the lame and the outcasts and makes them into a strong nation in such a way that no one, including ourselves, will ever doubt who it is that deserves all the glory. It's God. It's God alone who could bring this motley crew of ragtag, lame outcasts together and make them into a strong nation. And he gets all the glory for that. This also means that as our world seeks to increasingly marginalize the people of God, that restoration will not come through political or social revolution. The Christian's ultimate restoration will come from the Lord himself. So the first thing about suffering, that for God's people, you will be rescued. You will be rescued from it and restored once and for all. So you have that hope to look forward to as Christians, knowing that all your suffering is ultimately temporary. All right, that's our first point. Another truth to consider, if you were to suffer well, is to know that the fullness of your restoration will come through Suffering, through suffering. That's our second point. Look at verse 9 now. After Micah gets done painting this beautiful picture of our future, he snaps the people back to their present day reality. Verse 9 begins with the word now. Now. That's going to be then, in in the latter days. But now, Micah says, let's bring you back to reality. He begins verse 9 with now, and it appears three times in verses 9 through 11. And the point is that even though they are the people of God and their ultimate salvation and from suffering is secured, they must still walk through the painful consequences of breaking their covenant with God. A couple things about this. First, I don't know about you, But I like shortcuts. Anyone out there like shortcuts? Yeah? When it comes to getting fit and healthy, right? What's the fastest, least painful way to get the results I want, right? People make lots of money on TV selling pills and all sorts of stuff, right? Uh, Get thin fast or get whatever fast, right? We want it our way right away. Uh, So we want shortcuts. However, in reality, there is no easy way to get healthy, truly healthy. It's going to take physical activity. You're going to have to move your body. You're going to have to sweat. It's going to take saying no to the things you really like to eat but shouldn't. It's going to take saying yes to those things you really should eat but don't want to. It's going to involve some pain. And that's the reality. As with anything truly good and beautiful and worth having, There are no shortcuts. And God does not 
give us shortcuts either on the path to restoration. Now hear me, forgiveness of sins and Christ's righteousness are given to us in an instant by grace through faith in Christ alone, but the path to actually becoming holy is long and narrow and hard. Secondly, consider how hard it is when we live in a culture that is so averse to pain. You long for financial security because you want to avoid the pain of financial insecurity. You want to avoid physical discomfort, social discomfort at the thought of losing your status within a a group of people or a society. You may long for a spouse because you want to avoid the pain of being lonely. None of these desires are inherently bad, but just be careful that you don't look internally for quick fixes just to avoid the pain or stuff it and pretend that it doesn't exist. You know, one thing that stood out to me in my preparation for this is that nowhere in the New Testament are believers commanded to run from pain or to avoid pain at all costs. But what we see instead is commands to endure suffering, to endure hardship, right? We're not to run from it, we're to endure it, we're to persevere through it. Thirdly, notice that Micah uses the imagery of childbirth here to describe their suffering. The pain of childbirth is a a good illustration to use because it's something that almost half the population can relate to. In the moment of labor, the pain is intense. Not because I know personally, by the way, uh, but I've seen it a couple times. It's intense, but on the other side is new life. There's new life on the other side. And so we have these precious promises of being restored and delivered from pain. But Micah is saying that you've got to walk through the pain to get there. You've got to walk through the trials to get there. The sin of God's people, they've made their bed of affliction. But God is gracious and will ultimately rescue them from sleeping in that bed eternally. Now I want to clarify The book of Job teaches us that not all suffering is a direct result of our sin, as it is uh, in in Micah's book here, right? The people have have sinned, and judgment is coming, and that's why they're going to suffer. But not all suffering is a direct result of sin. But all pain and suffering is due to the fact that we live in a broken world, broken by sin. Sometimes the pain we endure is our own making, but other times it's inflicted on us by others, by other broken people. But there's a principle here that applies equally to all suffering when we endure. We endure. There are two places I want to show you in the New Testament that illustrate this. First, James puts it this way, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now hear from Paul in Romans 5, 3-4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character. Produces hope. 
And the point is this. All hardship tests our faith. Just as exercise tests our muscles. And while it may feel unpleasant in the moment, our faith becomes stronger. Just as strenuous exercise makes our muscles stronger. You ever wonder why believers in countries where there's more persecution than we experience here, their faith just seems to be so strong? It's because they've had to exercise it more and more consistently than we have over here, living uh, in in comfort, uh, not experiencing persecution to the degree that others have. They've been tested. Their muscles are stronger. The muscles of their faith are stronger. But God's plan now is not to evacuate us from all pain and suffering, but to bring us to ultimate restoration through it. And it's because we go through it that our faith is made stronger. And that, I believe, is why Paul can say we rejoice in our sufferings because we're getting stronger. And that's why James can say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds because you have an opportunity to get stronger. Your faith is going to get stronger. And your character is going to grow. And your hope is going to be greater. Lastly, Micah gives some good perspective for us to have in our suffering. This is our final point. Micah shows in verse 11 that many nations are assembled against God's people to do them harm. This is a great contrast to earlier in the chapter, uh, I believe in verse 2, where the nations are, are coming to, uh, to Jerusalem to learn to walk in his ways and to worship, right? But here, now, right, they're coming, they're assembled against God's people to do them harm, but the reality, the perspective is this. While they are gathered to do harm, Micah tells us that God is actually gathering them to do them harm, to punish their godless oppression to punish their violence. Micah says they are gathered as sheaves to the threshing floor. The point is this, for the people of God, those who do you harm will not have the final word. That's a perspective to have in your suffering. Those who do you harm will not have the final word. Their destruction is sure if they remain outside of Christ And this is the first perspective to have in your suffering. Those who work evil and injustice will not ultimately get away with it. They will not get away with it. And this is important because many times it feels like so many do get away with it. Anyone ever experienced that? You've been wrong and it just felt like someone got away with it and you're just so angry about it? Well, they're not going to get away with it. In the final estimation of things, no one gets away with it. The next perspective that Micah gives us is in verse 13. This is a picture of God's people triumphing over evil. First, notice that God will give his people the power and the strength to overcome. And that's what Micah means when he says that God will make their horn iron. A horn is a biblical symbol for strength and for power. And the point is that in your suffering, God is with you. 
to make you strong that you may overcome evil. He's with you in your suffering. That is perspective to have for us to suffer well. I love this description of God's people in Revelation 12, verse 11. It says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Here's a picture of God's people facing life-threatening persecution. Many of them would give their lives. And this is something of a paradox because it says they conquered, but they also died. How is that? This means that victory does not always equate to saving your own skin. So how then did they conquer? How do they conquer? They conquered by the blood of the Lamb, which is a metaphor uh, for the gospel. They conquered by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, meaning they did not give up confessing Jesus Christ. They didn't give up. They persevered even unto death, and by this they became conquerors. The enemy didn't win because they persevered. They didn't ditch their faith. They remained steadfast. How do they do this? How can you do this? Or more generally speaking, how is it that any of God's people persevere in faith in the midst of incredible suffering and pain? Paul tells us how in Philippians 2.13. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's how he strengthens your horn. That's how he makes you strong. He works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. The way you persevere in faith living as a Christian is to realize that it's not so much you who's holding on to Christ, but that Christ is holding on to you and he will never let go. Jesus will never let go. His grip is sure and his grip is strong and he will never let you go. And it's God's great pleasure to preserve you to preserve your faith to the end, no matter the hardship you will have to walk through, no matter what. I don't know what pain and suffering looks like in your life today, but I pray that when you do suffer, you will suffer well, knowing first that all your pain in this life is ultimately temporary. One day it will be no more. Secondly, know that God will not evacuate you from all suffering now, but will restore you through it. He'll restore you through it. He'll make you stronger through it. He'll make you more like Jesus through it. And thirdly, know that no one will ever ultimately get away with evil. And that God is with you in your suffering to give you strength to overcome. In closing, I want to direct your attention back to verse 8. Micah says, a king will come for his people. And verse 7 says that it is the Lord himself who will rule as king over his people. And I want you to know that this king is Jesus. Jesus is that king. And look what Luke writes about Jesus regarding this in chapter 1 of his gospel. He says, he will be great. 
He will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I point this out because you need to know that the only way anyone ever overcomes evil and is eventually delivered from pain and suffering is by being a citizen of Christ's kingdom. That's the only way. Outside of Christ's kingdom, all will be judged and found guilty of evil and sentenced to eternal suffering in hell. The only way into Christ's kingdom is through Christ. You see, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All mankind rebels against King Jesus. The only way in is to surrender. The only way in is to surrender. Stop living your life apart from God and come to Jesus who lived and died and who rose again to forgive your sin and to make you a citizen of his kingdom. It's by faith, by trust in Jesus alone that you surrender and that you're welcomed in and made a citizen. This is the only way to truly overcome, the only way that our suffering in this life is ever worth it. It's by becoming a citizen of Christ's kingdom. And so if you're not a citizen of Christ's kingdom, do so today. Come to Jesus. Surrender to him. Stop living life your own way. Come to Jesus. Receive his forgiveness. Trust Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to forgive your sin, to make you right with him. We know that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the promise. You don't have to wonder if you surrender. Is he going to accept me? You don't have to wonder because he will. All who call on the name of the Lord, no matter what you've done, where you've been, what injustice you've, you've uh, been privy to or, or taken part in, no matter what, he will save you if you call on him. So call on him today if you've not yet or if you're not sure Maybe you're sitting here wondering, I don't know if I'm a citizen of Christ's kingdom. I think I want to be. Come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about that. Or come talk to the person who invited you or any one of our elders. We'd be glad to have and happy to talk with you about that. All right, we're going to close, but we're going to close with a song now. And before we sing, I'll, I'll invite the team up now, but I'd like to end by just reading a few lines from this song because they're so relevant to what we've been saying all morning here. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, he will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, his power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley, he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet... Not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. He was raised to overthrow the grave. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's sing.